We are in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Uh, we went through chapter 1 last week, and um, it's, a, it's a, okay, so it's written to the Asian church, to churches in Asia, uh, and what they were going through after Rome burned. So it's in 64 AD, uh, and uh, Nero, in order to get get the focus off of himself, which a lot of the stories were that he did it on purpose. And it may have been burned a lot more than he had intended because 75% of Rome burned. Uh, and it may have been more than he intended, but everybody said that he did it on purpose so that he could build more buildings uh, that were dedicated to himself. And so to get the focus off of himself, he's he sent the word around that the Christians were responsible for it. So the church was undergoing the persecution. And then to, and this is one only one of the persecutions that they had gone through. And there have been tons of fires through the 50 or 60 years, a bunch of them, big fires. And so, but that's where we're at right now. And Peter's encouraging them because they're, we mentioned it last week, the diaspora, not the diaspora, but one of the spreading out of the of the gospel. God used that the diaspora, not the one that happened in 70 AD when all the when everybody was run out of Jerusalem when Rome put uh put Jerusalem under siege, but God used that dispersion all over the world. So many things had been set up for that. For one thing, Alexander the Great spread the Greek language all over the known world. So just picture that map, the Mediterranean, uh, and he comes around and he goes all the way to, to Egypt. That's why Alexandria is there. It's for Alexander the Great. But he also goes then east to all the way to India. And so the Greek language spread all over there. So they've got a common language and God used that when the Christian church is spread all over the place. Uh, it, it's, it spread the gospel in a way that it wouldn't have happened without that. But so the church is under persecution, the Nero persecution, and that's where we're at. So chapter two, we started just at the beginning of that last week. Therefore, laying aside all malice, which is evil. I mean, the word, the Greek word is just evil. Uh, laying aside all evil, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Um, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, and I mean, picture a baby that all they care about is clean diapers and, and, and nursing. That's the picture that he's got there. You need to want the, you need to want the gospel. You need to want the word as much as those babies. And that's true for us today. If we, if we had that, Sarge and I were talking about that at lunch today, that, that, that the word, the power of the word in our lives and just consuming it uh, on, on an everyday basis, how fulfilling it is, how it, well, he says, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby uh, if indeed you've tasted the Lord is gracious. And that word is probably sense. Uh, intensely desire, that's what the word right there is. It's not, I mean, it's an intense desire, just like a baby has. So we'll go on. 
coming to him, and that's not just coming any kind, it's like committed coming. Uh, a, a commitment just like a baby has to their own mother. Coming to him as to a living stone. Now this is Jesus. Jesus uh, in his ministry, especially after in the later ministry when he was starting to uh, operate in Jerusalem, how they talked about the stones of the temple and the stones of the temple were were 20 by 40. They were as big as these containers back here. And the, uh, that's what they were all built with is those big containers or stones as big as that. And Jesus talked about himself being a stone. So coming to him as to a living stone rejected, the stone that the builders rejected, uh, rejected, Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Not just Jesus. He's talking about you are the, that stone. Um, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Um, you are being built up as a church. Now, they're spread all over the place. How are they being built up? It seems like they're getting torn down. But, but Peter is saying to him, no, other things are going on. And he says that they're going to offer, be a royal priesthood. This is so important uh, because it says a lot of things that we don't need priests. We don't need preachers. We don't need anybody else to, to, to be some kind of intermediary for us. We are priests for ourselves. That, re that really happened before. Remember when we were studying Job and we talked about how much Job was like a priest for his family and his friends and everybody else? We're the same. We're a royal priesthood. And we're set to offer spiritual sacrifices. That's a brand new term because before they didn't have spiritual sacrifices. They had actual animal sacrifices and did all that kind of thing. What year are we talking about? We're talking about 64, 65 AD. What's going to happen in five years? The temple is going to be torn down and there will be because at this time, when Peter's saying this, they have priests. They have hundreds and hundreds of priests that offer sacrifices all through the year. And those priests offer actual sacrifices. But they will only do it for five more years. And since 70 AD, not one single sacrifice has been made. There's been only spiritual sacrifices. So Peter is saying things are gearing up for a whole new way of doing things. And he's, so he said, you're going to be the priest, royal priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, and this is from Isaiah. He's got several past, Old Testament passages that he says, uh, behold, I lay in Zion, and this referred to Jesus. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. That's a, that is a message that we're gonna have all through this, this chapter and the next. 
they will be put to shame, or nobody one will be put to shame that puts their trust in him. Continuing on. So that was Isaiah chapter 28. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, and this is from Psalms, the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Um, and I don't think this is talking about Jews. This is talking about everybody else that is persecuting them. Um, and it says, Anna, uh, okay, stone that, that the builders rejected. That's Jesus. And Jesus is a rock of offense for especially the Jewish people. But he said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, just like the, the Jews had been uh, they, in the Old Testament, God's adopted people, just like Israel. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim um, and that and that word is uh, ex angelion, which angel or angel, uh, the word we get our word angel from is in that. And it says, so he's really saying that you may message the praises of him, that you're gonna proclaim it in a way, uh, in a new way. Mess, you'll be the messengers of that. Praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had obtained mercy, but now uh, had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So these are uh, these are the Rome, people that have been in Rome and they've been dispersed. And when he says you are not a people, if they were Jewish people, then then they were a people before. But he said, when you were not a people, so he must be talking about Gentiles there. You once were not a people, but now you are a people and you've obtained mercy through Jesus. Um, verse, verse 11, in the, in the New King, in New King James, there's headings, you know, in all those spaces. And the heading right here is living before the world. And it's how, how we're supposed to, as the church, how we're supposed to look to the rest of the world to, and to outsiders. What are we supposed to look like? Here's what he says, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. The word pilgrim has come to just mean people who are like on a spiritual journey. But this is not... This is not somebody who even that, that's running, a, that's going to a place of more religious freedom or something like that. It's, it's, it's whatever you are as you're traveling, but you're, you're a foreigner in a society that's hostile to you. When our son wanted to live somewhere in Asia, he first tried Japan. Japan isn't, Americans in Japan, you're a foreigner and they are hostile. They don't like, they don't like Westerners much. And so he chose to go to a place where he wasn't, where he's still a foreigner, but they're not hostile to you. In fact, in Korea, they love, they love America and Americans and anything that, 
uh, that has to do with America. So when he's talking about these sojourners, pilgrims, he's talking about people who are living in a hostile place. So you're set up to not get along. There's a programming that's against you. So what are you going to look like to those people? He says, I beg you as sojourners, pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So don't just be driven by desire for more stuff and more control and uh, and meeting earthly desires. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So when he says that have your conduct honorable, that word is attractive. So it's not just that you look good, but you look good in such a way that the people say, I want that. That's what the word that honorable means there. It's an attractiveness. It's a winsomeness. It's like, uh, it's like a cute guy or a cute girl that just attracts, you know, attention in school. But it's, you're going to be, attra- be attracted because of your good behavior. Uh, and he said, even if someone doesn't like you, eventually that they're going to be turned around. So in spite of the persecution, uh, you're going to do the right thing. Submission then, uh, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. America was was, uh, founded on that principle right there, that that one of the purposes of government was to punish evildoers and to, to raise up people who did good. It's not exactly that anymore. Um, so, but it says, submit yourself to government. I mean, that's all that, all that you can say is right there. Um, and it's about an orderly, kind of surrender. And I just want you to think about how that goes against, well, especially this last election, how it's stirred up all the problems. And that we as Christians, um, I've talked about the uh, some of the protests that were happening at abortion clinics with the, with the person screaming about, Jesus loves you, but it doesn't look very attractive. Um, that's not what Peter's talking about when he's talking to them. Um, if it's stirring up conflict, that is not the way that Jesus wants us to operate. Um, for this is the will of God that evildoers are looked down on and the people who do good are looked up at. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Um, and you're doing all this 
for the Lord's sake there. Uh, where is that, for the Lord's sake? That's at the end of 13. This, this is interesting of Peter and also Paul and Romans, was it 13? Donald Bain of Florida? Yes. Because both of them describe a government that wasn't in power when they wrote it. That's right. It was the Roman government. It wasn't a very good one. Uh, it was self-indulgent and uh, power-hungry. And so were they speaking in faith or some prophetic thing? Well, and I, it is prophetic because the power of the gospel in, in how it's affected a civil society is huge. That's how America got to be what we are. And now we're moving away from it for the sake of fairness or, you know, not forcing our religious beliefs on people uh, or whatever it is. Uh, but back then you would have feared government for doing good. That's right. And the same thing we're kind of headed towards well. Exactly. <clears throat> That's a good point. But the honor honor that authority as best as we can without going against the word of God or our consciousness. And if, and if they were supposed to do it under that corrupt government, then I, I mean, our government isn't... Yeah, torturous. We're not being put up as light. Yeah. In the gardens. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were lighting Christians on fire to... to to light the stadium so they could play football. And this, this, this is the same scriptures that North Koreans were reading. You know, once they got saved, they found scripture. Yes. They're obeying this too. That's right. Not anywhere close to That is correct. So if they were supposed to do it then, we're supposed to do it now, and there's not an excuse. And I, do, I think that we're supposed to stand up to injustice and tyranny and things like that, but we're not supposed to be, Jesus loves you. That's not... Peter is saying, you're supposed to be more attractive than that. Verse 18. Servants, this is... A, we studied this in 1 Timothy a few weeks ago. Servants, be submissive to your masters, right here. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, reverence, not fear of being whipped or something like that. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, you take it patiently. This is commendable before God, that, that you're patient in either circumstance. Did I read that right? Mm -hmm. Beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, or you do good and still suffer and take it patiently. This is, so you're beaten, get being beaten for your faults or, and being beaten when you get, you're being beaten no matter what. That's commendable before God. For, for to this you are called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. And then the, the quotation 
uh, referring to Jesus, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by those stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So that's quoted in Isaiah chapter 53, the suffering servant passage in Isaiah. Uh, by, by his stripes you were healed. So, and it's talking about Jesus dying as a substitute for us. And if Jesus did that, well, and uh, all that he went through, and we know about the crucifixion and everything, um, that if he did that, then what are we supposed to do? Um, None of us have suffered to that extreme. And I mean, Paul is talking to them. He's saying, even you haven't suffered to that extreme. This word leaving us an example Jesus left an example. That Greek word right there means literally the writing under. And what it was was they would write on papyrus, but they be it would be on top of a um, an, on a clay tablet. And so when you wrote on the papyrus, it it went through and it left a copy of that. So if you, when you took the paper away, you still had the the clay tablet that had that writing on it. So it's essentially like a carbon copy. And so that's what we are, that we're a carbon copy. Jesus is a carbon copy that we follow. I mean, we're the, like the writing under, we're the copy of that. Um, and so we follow Jesus in that same way going forward. So he starts with submission to government, Submission to masters, which is essentially like, and we've talked about in Ephesians chapter, uh, Ephesians 5 and 6, uh, that, that an analogy for today would be like employers and employees, that, that situation. Um, so he's talked about submission to government, submission to masters, and now he's going to go into an, another kind of submission. This is all, almost backwards from what Paul does. Paul does in Ephesians five and six, where he goes husbands and wives, and then an extension or, or outside that very intimate relationship to parents and their children, and then outside that relationship to. Um, employers and employees, and then uh, how that fit in with the church and uh, uh, something else. He goes almost in the opposite direction because he's talked about submission to government, submission to masters. And then in chapter three, he says, wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands. I don't know if he felt like it was better to talk about a bunch of other submission and then talk about wives rather than starting with the wives. He may have found out from Paul's letter that that wasn't very popular. So he says, wives, likewise, and the likewise is just like all that other submission. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, like they're not believers, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. So the wives 
example of submission actually wins the husband over. Uh, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, reverence, not, uh, not unholy, ungodly fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel, because that's what wild women did. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. It doesn't mean that women can't dress up and wear makeup and even jewelry or something like that. Said, but what's in, and this is, we all know this is true. What's inside is more important than what's on the outside. And, uh, and he's, He's talking about wives here, but he's talking about all of us in, in general, that what's on the inside of us is more important than what we do on the outside um, and, and how it affects our behavior. Uh, let it be the hidden person of the heart. Uh, verse five. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Okay, so that's the, that's, and we're familiar with Paul's circle of submission. And so he's talked about wives, that's what, that's what your submission looks like. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. What does that mean? Are, that, does that mean women are less? No. no. But generally, women are not as strong as men. They're not, I mean, it's, it's true. Don't let anybody tell you any different. I mean, our society is so weird about this now. Um, uh, Serena Williams talked about, um, on one of the talk shows at night, uh, Jimmy Kimmel or whoever it was, Jay Leno, whoever, she said the, the 200th male player on the tour can beat me almost any day of the week. She was the best player, the best women's player that's ever been. And that's the absolute truth. So the weaker vessel, that's all it means. It's just simple as that. Sarge, are you, did you want to speak? No, I'm agreeing. Oh, okay. You almost bought that white elephant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Um, he's just telling the guys, be nice to them, take care of them. Uh, take care of her. And weaker vessel isn't, I mean, the picture that he's drawing is like a, a flower vase. <laughs> the, you, take, you take care of it. Don't run roughshod over them. Um, I was a weaker, but they're the ones that go through childbirth. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, that so. is correct. So there is a quality, just not the same thing. Right. I mean, I think he's just saying, husbands, you're, here's what your submission looks like. Yeah. 
take care of her. Um, it, Paul, and we know Paul says in Ephesians 5, he says, um, what your submission looks like is sacrifice. Love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's what, that's what Paul says. And I think that that's the same picture here. Be, be sacrificial, take care of them. Bodily, take care of them. As being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. That if men don't treat their wives right, their prayers will be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind. This is not uniformity. This is of the same mind. Um, not the same look, not uh, everybody doing the hair the same way or, uh, not, or, or whatever. Uh, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. And this is all about what we look like to the rest of the world. Having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. That means you just... You don't operate the way everybody else operates. What did Jesus say? You've heard it said that you love your friends and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies too. That's the same thing he's saying right here. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Pliny the Younger, who was a famous Roman historian, said, uh, wrote a lot about Christians in the church. And he said, uh, they, they do some weird things. They all kind of, they, they take care of each other and, a, and a, somebody that has will give to somebody who doesn't have. And he was talking about money, loaning, you know, taking care of others uh, bodily. But he said, the, but he said, they look weird sometimes, but man, they love each other. That's what Pliny the Younger, the famous historian said about him. And, it, and Paul said, Peter said, that's what we're supposed to look like. We're supposed to look attractive. We're supposed to be winning people with, uh, with how we behave. For he who would love life and see good days, and this is from Psalm 34. I mean, it's a quote from Psalm 34. So Peter is using Old Testament. Remember last week, he even quoted the New Testament. Uh, he quoted stuff that Jesus had said that was recorded in Mark. Um, but this is Psalm 34. He says, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Because that would be attractive. Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So that's, that's Psalm 34. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Well, they probably did know some harm even when they were doing good. But he's saying ultimately that it will come around if you're doing good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you're still blessed. And do not be afraid of the threats nor be troubled. Uh, but and because they were undergoing those kind of threats. And so he's just encouraging them that, uh, that, that they should be loving and different from the rest of the world. And I believe this is an encouragement for us even in the coming conflict. And I think conflict is coming. 
Uh, it may it may be big and it may be little, but we're supposed to behave differently from just well react like an animal reacts, just scratch and claw. We're not supposed to behave like that. But uh, but verse fifteen. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks. That asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. I mean, that if, if the world is falling apart and we have peace, that's gonna, I guarantee that will happen. How are you doing it? How are you not all upset about what's going on? And you, you can jump on the bandwagon for this or that, but that's about what being holy is. It's about being different from how everybody else operates and the, and the and the model for that is Jesus um, that you be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear reverence again having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed that when you do what you're supposed to do People may make fun of you. They may belittle you. But in the long run, you're going to, they're going to, they're going to be ashamed. 17, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Uh-oh. He said, if it's the will of God. I don't think it's the will of God for us to suffer. But if, uh, if in the, how things work, because okay, I've said it. I've said it before. The good news is that ninety-five percent of stuff that happens to us is bad is our own fault. That's the good news because we can change all that. A, a small percentage, four percent, five percent, whatever, is stuff that other people do, and we just get in the way of that. And that's what they were suffering for right now. They were in the way of bad stuff that other people were doing, and. We're in the same place as them. Because what year is this? 64, 65 AD. So, so we're talking about the Romans saw the Christians as a sect of Jewish. The yeah. Jewish were having an uprising. And right. So we will not bow to the Romans anymore. And it's kind of what we're facing here is with, with, you know, with this Christian nationalism off the charts. You know, right. What Christian nationalism people say, but we don't want to legislate Christian nationalism. Yes. But you have those people, and the government, a lot of the Christians suffered here because of what Jewish sects were doing, because they were considered in a Jewish sect. Right. And so they suffered for what other people are doing. It's like the way some of our hard nosed Christians are, we're going to have a godly country, you know, if we have to kill you all. Right. <laughs> Which is like the Taliban. Yeah. Yeah. The words are going to suffer as well, right? Even though we're not a, yeah, even though we're not doing that, we're we we're, they think that we're painted with the same brush. Yeah. Um, so-called Christian nationalists, um, um, or and white nationalism, and all those kind of things. That uh, yeah, because you're. So we're just six six years away from. Roman just crushed them in the Jews. Yeah. Or less, five. Yeah, five years. Yeah. Uh, but it's better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. 
And you sometimes you do suffer for doing good because of the ones that are doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, who being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. When did Jesus preach to the spirits in prison? During the three days in the tomb. Sarge? In theory, I can't prove this. Okay. But when Jesus died on the cross, yes, he was taken to the heart of the earth. Okay. That's where hell is, or a form of hell. Yes. Well, there were Jews down there. Okay. Who had never heard the gospel. Supposedly, he preached to them and some of them converted, and on the day of resurrection, they will rise first to heaven. Okay, you don't have to prove that because I don't think that's a theory. That's borne out in Scripture, is that Jesus, in between his death and his resurrection, uh, went to preach to these souls that he's talking about right here, to preach to the spirits in prison. Say it in the in the uh, the it's, Apostles' Creed. Yeah, that it, he descended yeah, into hell. They weren't in hell; they were the holy. Well, well, it, it, well, the Jews were in Abraham's bosom. That's right. I don't. Okay, but let's read on. Uh, he went to preach to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is only eight souls were saved through water. Okay, so I think he's talking about all kinds of beings, uh, people before Noah, which they weren't technically Jews at the time, at that time, but, uh, and there wasn't a bosom of Abraham to go to, but that there, he, it's talking to maybe, it's talking about, uh, Fallen angels, it, that could be that right there. It could be uh, the the people in the days of Noah that rejected the preaching of Noah. Noah preached for 120 years, preached while he's building the ark, t- telling people to repent. Three conversions, the daughters of his wives. Say what? So he had three conversions, the women who married his sons. Yeah. Well, the Catholics have. Yeah. One of these older books and different texts that the Judeo Christians, yes, Protestants that we are, yes, and you know there's a lot of theories and a lot of that's why I said theory. Okay. It's because they have access to these texts, like the Book of Enoch. Yeah. Uh, and, and and things that are controversial. Yes. But we do know that when he died on the cross, he did talk to the Jews. Now, it doesn't say very much about people of the book of Genesis. 
And you know, it talks very little. It talks about Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. It talks about Noah, his three sons. Okay. And, and Nimrod. Okay, and... It talks about, you know, the, in the ancient days. Very little is known about those times. Yeah, there's not as much information as like we have in... Uh, after Abraham and all that kind of stuff. But the point... Abraham, he made a covenant with Abraham. Yes. That's why we know. And from then on, there's more detail. After Noah. Okay, but we have... After after Abraham. But we have what Peter wrote right here that explains enough of it because he's saying... um, I wouldn't live for any fallen angels in heaven. When they rebelled against God and Satan starved in the morning. That's right. When he they took two thirds of them <laughs> from the presence of God. I don't expect any of them to repent. No, but Jesus preached to them. He preached. They believe in him too. Well, that's true. It doesn't help that this that they believe. That's right. But he's talking about that. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't saying anything. Well, he's he's saying that Jesus did all those things. I, and I mean, there's a lot of interpretation that you can make about it. But he does talk about Noah and the ark, and the, and during all that, only eight people were saved through water. And the, Eight people, nobody else. Yes. Yeah, everybody else was destroyed. But he's saying through water, there is also an antitype. So before, that's that's an example early on of, of what saves us now, which is baptism. And it doesn't just mean water baptism. Baptism, not the removal of filth of the flesh, not just getting washed off, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. So the picture there is Jesus did that work before, but he's he's doing a be, even a better work now and everything is subject to him. And so since we're subject to him, then we need to submit to Authority, submit, and and be an attractive presence in the world today. We're not supposed to separate ourselves. We're not supposed to try to set everybody else right. Jesus has already taken care of that. We're supposed to be an example. Uh, and so all of this that he's talked about in chapter uh, 2 and 3 is about how we look to the outside world. And he's talking about people that are being persecuted uh, at the time. I think, and and this is one of the reasons that I was drawn to this, as we go into this election season and all of the crazy stuff that's going on about what kind of people are we going to be in the United States, in America, What's, what are we going to look like to the rest of the world? And right now, to the rest of the world, we look crazy town. Um, with even our own presidential election, 
And so, but, and we can't control what America looks like, but we can control what we look like. And I think that that's what Peter is saying to the church in, in these two chapters here, chapter two and three, is that we're supposed to be attractive in a different way. Not just being louder, not, not with, uh, not beat people over the head, certainly not go to war or, you know, get our, 22s and our tuna fish together and and live in a cave somewhere. We're supposed to be a, a, an attractive people that the world wants to be a part of. Peter lived out that experience. He had two swords and used it real quick. That's right. <laughs> and Peter, uh, Peter is going to eventually be martyred. His wife may have already been martyred at this time. Um, cause she was one of the early Christian martyrs. Peter's wife was, um, Peter isn't, isn't preaching this message from an ivory tower where he doesn't have to go through any problems himself. I mean, he's had a hard time. He's been thrown in prison, been dragged through the streets and all kinds of stuff being beat up with John and several times. So, but it's but the message for us today, and I believe that I was ordained by God to that we're supposed to be be studying this right now for this particular time because uh, we're supposed to be a light. We're supposed to be salt and light right now, and in this crazy time that we're living in, I believe that Peter gives us direction about what that's supposed to look like. The only nation, nation that God has raised up in the very last hours, not the United States of America, not Europe, not... Good. And the idea that we... And, but that's being taught and being in pulpits that, we, that we're supposed to be the holy nation, not the nation of the United States or any other nation. The church is supposed to be that. And when we studied the book of Revelation, that's what it was talking about during all that. There's that the church through these 2,000 years has been a beacon. It's been, it's been salt and light. And um, we, I, I believe that the impact of our good behavior is sometimes discounted. So, Yeah, because Peter had two swords. And you know, there's a natural sword and there's a spiritual sword. God still uses the natural sword in the, in the world, but he and us are supposed to be using the spiritual sword. Yeah. Because we cut off ears, people are not going to hear the gospel. Good. Good. If we scream yeah. louder than anybody else, it, that's yeah. not going to help we either. We can't protest like everybody else. We can't Amen. walk down streets. And... Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. What? Can't leave body bags. Can't leave body bags. We talked about that last week. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this group. Thank you for the encouragement that we have in each other. Um, I pray that we'd be that same kind of encouragement uh, every single day that uh, in all the places that we go, um, that we would be Jesus in a way that is attractive to, to the people around us. Bless us. To be a blessing. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all.